Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 22, Watch and Learn edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Um, we had a very exciting weekend of racing, I feel like. Uh, definitely a lot of action across all the series that we talk about. Um, and is a good uh, good amount of stuff that we got to go through tonight. Absolutely. Got a little delayed there, of course, because of me, because I work on IST. Uh, we'll go over the uh, NASCAR weekend at Daytona and at Gateway. Cuckold Byron gets his first career Cup Series win uh, in the Coke Zero 400. It was definitely questionable in many ways, but we'll go into that. We'll talk about the Xfinity Series race, the Wawa 250, where Ross Chastain dumped A.J. Allmendinger <laughs> trying to win and in the process didn't and allowed uh, Justin Haley to go two for two at the super speedways. Uh, speaking of people who dumped people out of the way, Sheldon Creed goes and does his best Robbie Gordon impression and moves Todd Gilland out and puts him in the fence, which costs uh, Gilland uh, pretty much a likely second career truck series win and a playoff spot while Creed takes his third win of 2020, which is the lead for all uh, regular drivers in the truck series. We'll also go into Lewis Hamilton, number 89 at the Belgian Grand Prix, and some issues with some red toilets. Uh, We'll go into that in more detail. Um, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden kind of go and do what they usually do uh, with their wins at Gateway. And then the roundup, which we'll talk about Americans, Logan Sargent, and uh, we'll also talk about Garrett Gerloff in the World Superbike Championship, amongst other things. And then we'll preview the Southern 500 throwback weekend, plenty of good ones, some, some bad ones at the end of the day. It's throwback weekend. It's one of the best weekends of the year for NASCAR. Uh, Formula One and all the junior categories at Monza for the Italian Grand Prix, one of the classics, the U.S. Nationals at Indianapolis, which will be, I think, the fourth race they've had at Indianapolis since the return. So um, we'll look at that, which is uh, one of the, the biggest race of the year for the NHRA. Road Atlanta for IMSA, and then um, other uh, races that will be going on here in the world of motorsport and uh we'll send you on your way we'll we're looking at doing a show later this week as well a second episode which we'll talk about those classics we'll talk about darlington we'll talk about monza we'll talk about indy and uh the u.s nationals italian grand prix and the southern 500 and uh probably going to memories great moments things that may have not been as great of moments but um, things that happen in those races and why they mean so much even to this day. First thing, we'll go into Byron uh, getting his first career Cup Series win at Daytona. Uh, you know, the it was definitely and and announced today he gets a extension through 2022. So it looks like that Chad Canals will probably be out um, on the uh, pit box for at least another couple of years before he goes to TV. Um, I mean, it was was your part and parcel uh, super speedway race, and there were a lot of people that led. 
the, the manufacturer battles kind of, or manufacturer commitment kind of deal kept on going, Josh. But um, William Byron goes and uh, didn't have to watch. He actually, and he didn't do it in front of a computer. He actually did it in a race car. So um, I guess we should be giving credit to him in the, in the Jerry Falwell uh, Chevrolet. Yeah, definitely is um, for William Byron first career win. And to do it at Daytona is always a memorable uh, victory, no matter how it ends up happening. And really, I think for him, the move of the race was when Bubba Wallace and Joey Logano got together after Hamlin, bumped, Denny Hamlin bumped into Logano and they touched uh, fenders and everything going into turn one on with uh, two laps to go. And then right after that, because Byron was behind Wallace and he was able to uh, take advantage of the gap between Hamlin and, or between Logano and Bubba Wallace and take the lead right there, right before the caution came out. And then he was just able to maintain uh, his line on the restart and he got a, a pretty good, pretty decent restart there. And he was able to uh, defend his line, stayed on the bottom. He got help from Chase Elliott and he was able to out duel Martin Truex Jr. On the, on, the, on the bottom versus the top side. And he was able to score the victory for himself, which is good for him, for his career. Uh, of course, uh, the fact that this leads to a playoff spot is uh, questionable, but that's how it is these days in NASCAR. So at least for the very moment, like he has a chance to win a title right now, but I doubt that'll be the case. But I think for me, like there is probably like three or four times where that race could have ended on the last lap and Truex could have won, which I probably have been a little bit more okay with, but you know, that's how it goes with NASCAR these days. Yeah. That's something that really rubbed me the wrong way about how they, I mean, I've been out there. We talk about it over all the years we've known each other in terms of, uh, in all these pages, you know, consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement they decided to allow, I think, about six cars to hit the fence. And, I mean, Harvick, I think, cut a tire. Okay, fine. Boyer, I think, hit the wall head-on. Uh, the Maggot car hit the wall head-on, I believe, with LaJoy and Ty Dillon. Uh, there's there's a couple other cars that hit the wall. And they just allowed it to keep going. But if it was because it's a dramatic finish or whatever, and then you hear the radio where I think Chase Elliott was told to hold station. I I remember, I just have, I remember hearing that. I, yeah, maybe stay with wrong, your teammate. Yeah, just, just hold, yeah. So you're basically telling him don't race, which is bullshit. Um, it's a Formula One move, of course, but, you know, it's, you know, NASCAR is becoming more like Formula One every day. So he was told not to even make a move when Chase Elliott needs every point he can get. Uh, he's third right now starts 37 points behind Kevin Harvick. I mean, albeit he's got, he's got 20 points on, on the, the cutoff or on the, the current 16th place driver. But, you know, in a couple of stages, you have a bad race and a couple of good stages for another driver that can flip. So I don't get, I mean, I get they want William Byron to win. It's a cover up for other things that are going on in our, um, in the society 
um, to make it seem like William Byron actually knows how to drive a race car, um, which I question greatly um, for many reasons. Uh, he didn't have to watch uh, Aaron. He probably was able to spend time, quality time with Aaron while, uh, while Jerry Falwell sat and watched in the corner. Uh, so that must have been great for them. Uh, so whatever. It's pathetic. I, I mean, Truex, I mean, this is the thing with me with Truex. He had a chance to push Chris Bell, corporate teammate, going to be his teammate next year. He had a chance to push Chris Bell and tandem with him the way I think Hamlin and Kyle Busch were doing earlier in the day, earlier in the evening, sorry. And they could have had a one-on-one battle, and Truex could have went and side-drafted him and won that race. But he hung him out to dry sends Chris Bell back to 13th, and then he loses the race anyways because he's Martin Truex. You know, and I bet you he whined about it too because he's Martin Truex. But that's just a stupid move. You've never won a restrictor plate race. That's like a Tony Stewart move. That's why Tony Stewart never won the Daytona 500. He did crap like that. Or he put himself in positions to where he'd go and get wrecked. Like that's what guys who can't win these super speedway races do. It's reasons why Wilbur wins has three Daytona 500 wins he puts himself in a position to win he may not be the best guy I mean he's won over 40 races so I mean questioning his greatness in a sense is one thing but he was there at the end of the day he finished third he didn't do anything in stage one they were running tailback they didn't get any stage points stage two it doesn't matter he's there he had a chance to win this race coming coming to the the green white checkered so I that's that's that in terms of the top five, Byron, Elliott, Hamlin, Truex. But I, I have to say, for people who hate him, uh, go fuck yourself. Um, for people who like him, it was a great day, a great moment for RPM, for Bubba Wallace. He had passed. He made the pass, which should have been the pass for the win. But, you know, Joey Logano probably dropped his glasses and then, Wilbur saw saw a carrot and some grass ran right through him and doored him on the left side, which caused a rub and uh, couldn't hold that lead there. And of course, Will Byron ended up making a four wide too in that process, which I think assisted in that. But in general, Josh, what did you think of the race? I mean, Logano ended up winning both stages, but um, and a lot of guys led. Kyle Busch was up there before his wreck with uh, Tyler Reddick, which he owned, unlike other people like Kyle Busch. Um, he owned the wreck. Uh, Tyler Reddick, I'd picked him to win the race, and he had made a move, which was a race-winning move to pass, but then he made a race-losing move to clear himself across three lanes, put Eric Jones in the wall, in a cool-looking auto owner's insurance car, which is way better than anything that Truex ever won, and Kyle Busch, amongst others, into the wall. Um, what did you think of the race in general compared to what we usually see at uh, the, the super speedway races? Yeah, it was a little bit more interesting, I guess, because I guess of the playoff drama on the line. But then at the end of the day, like the like I was expecting somebody else to win the stage because it seemed like in both stages that whoever was behind Joey Logano, like they were trying to get a run to get around him, but he was able to easily defend both of those runs 
that uh, took place because the high line with the Chevys in the second stage, they were trying to make moves. Jimmy Johnson and Kurt Busch were trying to draft together up to the front, and they're I think they were the ones out of the Chevy group that made it into the top five, uh, top six uh, in that second stage. And I honestly thought they might have had a chance to actually win that stage uh, just because it, it looked like based off of the lap times, the Chevys were making up a ton of ground. The Fords and the Toyotas were trying to save gas. Uh, they, I think, I don't know if tire wear was an issue. Uh, probably not, but um, definitely seemed like the Chevys were uh, coming with a head of steam there at and that stage. And then the, I think just Logano, like that's my kind of criticism with this package is that a lot of times uh, throughout portions of the race, like the leader is able to defend very easily and, and stop runs from getting past him. And then, uh, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of momentum, a lot of energy as the announcers like to say, to really get around the leader and you um, really have to make a, a calculated move and you have to time it uh, very perfectly, uh, which to me is a little bit, uh, uncharacteristic of what I've remembered from super speedway racing throughout the years dead going back even to the, the old packs from, you know, before the cot or the COT. And it seemed like it was easier for, uh, whoever was behind the leader to make a run and make a pass. And, uh, you know, it was, if, if the leader was able to stay in front, it was more because he had a good card, not just cause he was able to time runs correctly and, and just, you know, change lanes and stuff. Um, and I mean, that's part of it, but it just seemed like it was more of the better car rather than just changing lanes. But, you know, you go talk about like the end of the race. I'm not sure if Bubba Wallace would have actually won. I mean, like if Logano didn't get into him um, and they didn't make contact, I think he probably would have taken the lead for at least maybe that lap, but yeah. I'm not quite sure that maybe Byron would have tried to snooker him on the last lap or something and get around him. Turn or, him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it probably would have like, I mean, it's certainly possible that could have happened. I mean, given what happened in February, but certainly uh, Byron like probably would have made a move if it had stayed green. Um, and then again, it, it could have been a thing where like they just let all the, the Chevys just stay in line and not making it was cause he probably would have made the playoffs anyways, but you know, like it's a mixed bag with the Gen 6 package, I feel like, um, compared to the tandem drafting from 2010, 2011, um, and even the packs, uh, the pack racing before that with the early days of the COT and, and the old uh, Super Speedway Gen 4 cars. Yeah, I'm, I'm no fan of Super Speedway racing, and it's probably because for many years i knew my driver never had a chance um i agree with josh uh, i agree with you in terms of the tandem i love that because really when it was in its infancy and you're able to have two basically drivers kind of work together and they'd swap and do whatever there was there was some strategy involved in that there was an ability of having to run one with the other and work together as a group uh, as a as a duo and you wrecked a lot less cars. There's a lot more passing, and it 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 just seemed it seemed more entertaining to me. I I don't really care for this garbage where you run in one continuous line up on the high line for 
90% of a, a segment and then they start racing with five to go. At that point, you might as well run a five lap race instead of running 400 miles. And then you're only going to really race hard for 20 laps. At that point, you have the bush clash. That's really what we're trying to do. That's why I hate they run 500 miles at Talladega. It's, it is like watching paint dry on TV. I'm sure if you get to watch it there and experience Talladega, I'm sure it's great. But watching Talladega races has not been exciting for a long time. To me, outside of the tandems and in general, they're just too long. They're too drawn out. You know what's going to happen. At least that's one thing I have to say. These guys didn't do stupid crap. I said these guys. I had to do a Kyle Petty. It is a throwback weekend. But that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, let me say this, that they went and they didn't go and wreck until the third segment, at least. You would have hoped, you would think that they had done it earlier. They started wrecking in the third segment. But then, like, I guess, I think we've talked about it. I think you've said it, where they don't even bother to race all that hard in the first two segments. And then in the third segment, all the stupidity really happens. So it kind of fits. And I think it transitions into what happened to Jimmy Johnson. You mentioned him, and he had run great. I The way that Jimmy looked, these last couple of weeks, it reminded me of seven time 83 win Jimmy Johnson, the way he looked and the way he drove, he was aggressive. People hung him out to dry because they knew he was a factor. Kurt Busch was with him. I I don't understand where the Chevys were not working well together. And, and that's part of the reason why it happened the way it did. Jimmy gets wrecked. Unfortunate. Um, in the end, he loses out on a opportunity to go after championship number eight by six points. He misses Indianapolis because of COVID and being honest about it, unlike some of the other idiots that probably drive in the series. Um, I'm sure Austin Dillon wouldn't have copped to it if there wasn't a test or something, if he didn't have a kid. I think he'd have driven because he's a loser. But, but you know, Jimmy Johnson cops to that. They get disqualified at charlotte he wrecks coming on the final lap in stage one of the return race at darlington when he was going to win the stage and he had a car that could have won it made me mad because i bet him that day too because i had i just had a feeling about him all these things amongst a season full of close calls and missed opportunities six points after 26 races is pretty brutal um I mean, De Benedetto gets in just by the absolute, like the knife edge, whatever. He gets in by the mankini that he wears on Instagram so he can go and get off all of Reddit and Reddit so that all of Reddit can lose their minds about him like he's some relevant factor, even though once uh, Austin Sindrick takes his ride, he's going to be driving for Spire next year or whatever. But um, I guess thoughts on what Jimmy did or tried to do in terms of this cutoff and i and initially we can look at the the, this 2020 playoff and i i would i guess the question is i'm not even gonna go with who's gonna make it it's like who's gonna get who's not gonna make this deal uh after the first three races i think they run 
They run uh, Darlington, Brist, Charlotte, or Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol here in round one. Uh, who who ends up uh, going home and not being relevant after this first round of the uh, 2020 NASCAR Chase Cup Chase? Yeah, I think the guys who won't make it from this. Um, I mean, I don't think De Benedetto will make it past this first one. And the beginning of the year, the first third of the year, it seemed like he was having a career career year, and he is kind of having a career year, but uh, he's definitely this summer, the second half of it at least, has fallen off a lot, and that's the reason why he was in this mess to begin with. I don't think Cole Custer will make it out. Uh, I don't think Austin Dillon will make it out. Um, and I'm going to say I don't think that Clint Boyer will make it out, although you could probably swap him out for Alex Bowman. Yeah, that's that seems pretty safe. I, I would I would venture to say that, I mean, Austin Dillon has not been good enough to to be in this playoff, and he backed into it. Um, I wish Tyler Reddick would have won instead of Dillon. It, it would have been okay. At least it would have brought a little bit of flash and pizzazz to the to the playoff versus having having uh, Austin Dillon, who's you know a douchebag. Um, but I, I do I do agree. Also, Cole Custer has not been consistent enough to to really be somebody that can make it through. Um, it, it I mean it wouldn't be out of the realm that he makes. I do believe. A Stewart Oscar, all four of them made it. Um, they're a Stewart Oscar. I will go out on the very, very, str- very tight limb there that it, that a Stewart Oscar will be eliminated here in round one. It definitely won't be Kevin Harvick. Uh, the 14 car has been irrelevant all year. Um, the 41 car is basically irrelevant too. The 10 has not been great in recent races, but they've had their moments. They had that run with um, top fives and top tens, and Eric Almirola just got announced for another year. Uh, I think they're holding up on the 14 car to see what happens here in the next three weeks. Um, I think these next three weeks might determine whether Clint Boyer uh, is still driving or if he goes to become an announcer or if he goes to front row or some irrelevant team, uh, that's that's a possibility. I mean, it's unfortunate the 41 car is just going to be Cole Custer's ride for eternity, but it's kind of like Formula One. So nepotism and money pays when Gene Haas has been funding his career all these years because his right-hand guy is Cole Custer's dad. You know, it is what it is there. Um, certain people say that, but for a lot worse reasons than talking about Cole Custer's relevance and being cup. Hey, Dylan sucks. He's not going to make it. I, I figure Boyer doesn't make it. Um, I, the, the call on Alex Bowman, he's been absolutely irrelevant for a while. And that car is irrelevant. I'll, I'll go out and I'll say that, that William Byron will, will miss, round two um he and so so what is that i i said yeah so i'll say that uh, custer so custer bowman byron or custer 
um, Boyer, Byron, and Dylan will um, not make it to round two, which is a weird kind of round there. I think Talladega, you have the Roval, and Kansas, I think, is round two of the uh, playoff. Uh, just to go through the playoff standings, Kevin Harvick starts with a 10-point lead over Denny Hamlin. Brad Keselowski starts 28 points behind in third. Logano, Chase Elliott, the top five. Truex, Blaney, Bowman, Byron, and Dylan and Custer, they're all the winners in the regular season. Um, Dylan and Custer are 10th and 11th, 52 points behind. Eric Almirola won two stages. He has five playoff points. He is 12th, the best driver uh, who didn't win a race in terms of points. Uh, Clint Boyer has more playoff points than Kyle Busch, which is insane. That's probably one to watch. We didn't we didn't mention that uh, Kyle Busch, who has definitely had an off year in his title defense, his second title defense. He's a wild card. Whether he, I figure he goes and wins this weekend. But I've been saying that. But when you have the kind of situations he's been having and some of the places he's been in, you gotta wonder if he's gonna make it through Kurt Busch has not had as good of a year, but he's in a good state of mind. Good place. I think he's able to make it through after last year where they were way better coming into this spot. He's kind of in the same spot as Larson was a year ago where the performance wasn't there and it had kind of been up and down. And then he takes off in the playoff. Kurt Busch could do that, I believe. And now where they're going to put all their energy in the one car it could possibly be an opportunity for two rounds for the one car there. And D Benedetto is uh, the caboose. Jimmy Johnson is locked in. He's going to finish uh, 17th in points more than likely uh, in his final season as a full-time cup series driver before he moves to IndyCar as a road course uh, guy, whether it's with, Ed Carpenter Racing or Spam or Chip Ganassi or who knows. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll Can I talk about Jimmy really quick though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, so we talk about how Jimmy missed, you know, you said like he wrecked out of Darlington and obviously uh, got the penalty at, at uh, Charlotte and got DQ'd and, and, you know, the COVID thing at Indianapolis. Well, when you look at it, like how thin that margin really was, if he didn't crash out of the first stage at Darlington, he would have made the chase or made the playoffs by four points. Um, Once you factor in all the stage points and the margin that he missed uh, this by, and of course that would have changed things, but if he at least would have won that stage, um, like he would have, or like he should have, then he would have at least been good by four points. So that's how thin the margin really was. Yeah, and that's over 26 races. It's a great point. I mean, Josh, you're talking about post-COVID, the amount of races they've been running since May, and 
to to go and miss this by six points. It's it's one of the more dramatic uh, cutoff races here in, in recent memory because you add the super speedway component. So I think they're never going to put it back to July the 4th, unfortunately. Um, just messing with tradition because that's what NASCAR is all about. Um, you know, you would see how people react to this weekend at Darlington, and you would think in the idiots that in the Daytona Beach Mafia that they would be like, we should not mess with tradition, but they do all the time. Uh, this is one example, but it was an interesting race. It was dramatic. Oh, kind of crazy crap happened. Oh, Jimmy Johnson doesn't get to run for an eighth championship. All this. So they're never, and they're going to insist on running Indy on July the 4th like anybody gives a fuck. Nobody, I don't care Roger Penske owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You would have, he would have to pay people with his billions of dollars to show up to make that place a sellout for a NASCAR race ever again. Or Goodyear would have to pay money to go and make people want to watch that race. It's watching, like, I talk about Talladega and how boring Talladega races are, which they are, really. They should only be 30 laps at Talladega, really, because it's a joke. If Unless they're going to run unrestricted, and then, then sure, let's run 500 miles. Because then it would just be a last person standing, ma- last man standing match. That's fine. If they're going to take off and fly, there's going to be no fans there. And then the idiots that want to stand there, they want to die anyway. So let them go and fucking sit there. You know, let them sign non-disclosure, sign off on it. You know, the, let, let's go and run them unrestricted. Who cares? I, I, we'd be able to thin the herd a little bit. The Quinn Huffs of the world wouldn't be out on the racetrack. The Rick Ware Racings of the world wouldn't be out on the racetrack. Let's let's go and get crazy. Let's Let's really go and fix this thing. Let's, they've never fixed this thing. We, I was three, what is it, three, three years old when, or two years old when Bobby Allison hit the fa- catch fence at Talladega and Davey won his first career race. They said restrictor plates were a temporary thing. They still have some sort of restriction on the engines, and it's 2020. So obviously all the geniuses in NASCAR over, uh, whatever, 33 years have not figured out a way to make, one, the, the racing safe or make it in a way that you could actually run with full throttle response and actually drive. It's like, you might as well just go put a V6 engine in the fucking thing. Let's get, let's get real crazy. Put a four-cylinder engine, run Daytona and Talladega, and they run with four-cylinder turbos. You're telling me that's going to fucking suck? They ran dash races for years, and they were good races. Go ahead. You know, it's, it's just it's crazy. I, 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 I'm not a fan of super speedway racing. I never have been. Um, not being able to watch my favorite driver win the Daytona 500 is probably part of the reason why I hate it. Um, but, ugh, whatever. Um, speaking of stupidity in at Daytona, uh, Will, uh, what do you call Justin Haley, he's now won in all three series at uh, Daytona International Speedway. Uh, he should have won in all three series already, but because of nascar and the and and the way they call things he hasn't he didn't he didn't until last friday um 
but he wins after after uh, Ross Chastain goes and dumps the crap out of AJ Adderall Mendinger. Uh, what did you uh, look at in terms of the college racing benefit that was the Wawa 250 on Friday, Josh? Yeah, it was definitely going to be a, a college victory. I mean, what, however they race there, how how they're able to just team up together for the most part, excluding the last lab, obviously, they just know how to work together and and keep each other up front for these races at Talladega and at Daytona, and it works. It's a strategy that um, they've worked on since they became teammates and everything, and that's something that should, should be commended for for that team. And, of course, at the end, I think Chastain, I think he was just going for the win, obviously, and... Almondinger being Almondinger probably freaked out and tried to make a late block or whatever and and he was able to block or not block him but wrecked himself I think or Chastain got into him but it's just last lap racing really I'm Chastain's trying to win because he needs a win to secure his spot in the Xfinity uh, title playoffs He's got to be able to at least get one win on the season because I think he's probably the best driver remaining in the Xfinity Series that hasn't won a race. So it was important for him to get that win, and he just ended up breaking his teammate. I think it was kind of a matter of circumstance there at the end of that race. And then Haley was able to uh, swing by, and we thought that Haley wouldn't be there at the end in, in that position. But then just the way that the wrecking ended up happening, he was able to make uh or get by uh his two teammates that were wrecking and and get by for the win um i wasn't sure if it was going to end up being him i thought some of the other xfinity guys could have had a chance at at the end i mean i thought maybe Cindric might have had something or or uh, chase briscoe might have had something but ends up being justin haley uh scoring the win at daytona and really it's um is i think it's his at least his third win for Daytona because if you you count last year's race and then uh the year before when he should have won but they uh didn't let him win because he passed in the yellow line which is another thing I don't like about restrictor plate races which shouldn't be a rule I mean if it's paved it's fair game in my opinion um they should take it away and it would probably help with the wrecks but you know anyway I I mean if you look at look at it from that perspective he's making himself uh the case that he's going to be a really good super speedway racer once they get to the cup series uh, uh you know he's won at talladega he's won three times now and um unofficially at at daytona so he's making a pretty good resume for his uh super speedway career i think yeah and and justin ailey if things are going the way everyone believes and what Spire is talking about. He's probably going to be going up to cup next year. So he's a nice little wild card pick for some of these uh, super speedway races. He ran a college card in the 500 and he was running pretty well. He won the, this, the Coke zero 400 last year uh, in a Spire car. So, I mean, it's, He's figured out a way to make a name for himself in these races. And, you know, there's guys that. And then there's guys that that make their whole career on doing this, whether it's MW 55, David Reagan, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I But I do believe unlike those two guys who really are not that good, 
Justin Haley has talent to win on all different tracks. He did it in the truck series. He's done it in, on road courses. He has support and, uh, you know, Doug Stringer and all that. So I, I think the potential is there. It was a great points day for him to go and get a lot of stage points and also get that win. I don't think he was going to win. I think AJ Allmendinger had done enough to win that. Of course, as you mentioned, Josh, AJ's liable to go and F up. And I mean, I, I like Ross. I'm a, I'm a Ross. I'm a, I'm a guy who, who supports Ross and uh, I get that his plight and he got screwed because of DC solar and he probably should be in a cup car. He probably should have been in the 42. They might've had better results than what they got from Matt Kenseth. But you know, that, that move was pretty weak. Um, and in there, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a high, it wasn't a high percentage move. At least get out of turn four, side draft, do something, get to the line. If you turn AJ and you turn him into the grass, he's still going to finish second. You know, at, at least, at least make it look good. You dump him and you cost yourself. I mean, in the end, what is it? Ross ended up finishing sixth after he hit the fence and some of these other guys. So Justin Haley, Gray Galding, a big uh, ups to him who he, the second, second place finish was a late call in. He was, he was a late entry himself as a driver, not the car, but late entry in the car, second, second place finish in the Xfinity series with the walk-ons uh, car with the SS green light while, um, while Joe Graff Jr. in the woke um, car was definitely woke when it blew the whole right side off of it because he's a jackass and a piece of shit. Um, Chase Briscoe, third. Riley Herbst wasn't terrible for once. He finished fourth. Harrison Burton in fifth. He's definitely going to be running one of the ugliest cars uh, at Darlington this weekend. Chastain, Annette, uh, Gumby who everyone freaked out because his uh, merch disappeared since people really love Austin Sindrick. I never knew people were so obsessed with Austin Sindrick until a couple of days ago. Um, he's not going away. His dad runs Penske Racing. It really doesn't matter. For as mediocre as he had been until about three months ago, Austin Sindrick is not going away. And for you people who love Matt Benedetto. Get ready. He's gonna take oh take your buddy's your your boy's ride in the twenty one car next year. Uh, Josh Williams, who just got engaged, uh, so congratulations to Josh and his uh, future wife. And uh, Jesse Little with his mullet uh, finishes tenth, um, and some other uh, hangers on and throw ins and whatever. AJ Allmendinger finishes fifteenth. The White Trash Machines finished 17th and 18th. Uh, Myatt Snyder struggled there. And, I mean, that was one thing that I, it was surprising to me. So the guys that you would think would have a chance to do something, some of these wild card uh, guys, the Jeremy Clements of the world, he didn't have the best night. He only finished 20th. He finished two laps. Then he probably got involved in the wreck. I don't even remember anymore. I mean, Timmy Hill was up there. He got involved in the wreck. 
Uh, I think most of them got involved. That's the thing. It's an Xfinity race. And I think that's what goes into our next point. Um, Like, what does this race do? Because AJ Allmendinger is going to be in that race. Uh, What does this race do in terms of now there's a Talladega playoff race, which has not existed in the Xfinity series for many years. Uh, It was only on the truck side. Now the Xfinity series will also be running uh, a race at Talladega in the playoffs. So takeaways on the playoff bubble guys that could have possibly won. And also what is what we saw on Friday kind of lead to, or what you would think would lead to, at Talladega for another 300 miler there or whatever the hell it'll be. I'm, I think for Talladega, it's going to be probably similar to this race, honestly. And obviously it's going to be very similar to the Talladega back in June for the Xfinity series. And again, college racing going to team up together most likely and stay together throughout the race. And, and one of them will probably win. Um, could be Justin Haley go uh, three out of four for the restrictor plate races uh, this year in Xfinity, or maybe AJ steals one um, if he can keep his head together. Uh, maybe he needs some Addy. Um, I'm sure somebody can hook him up. But Ross Chastain probably would need one as well because that will be a, a playoff race. So he, he would probably be in in one if he isn't performing as well uh, compared to how he has uh, this year but then you look at also the guys on the bubble for the Xfinity series like look at Jeremy Clements like you said like he ended up finishing two laps down in in this race um, and you would have expected him to try to at least get on the lead lap and just be there at the end and obviously ends up um on a missed opportunity, especially with Brandon Brown not finishing the race uh, due to the um, driver vehicle policy uh, and having too much crash damage and all that. And he only finished 20th compared to 26th, which as a, I mean, he finished higher than, but considering the chances that you have to make up points, especially with stages and uh, the finishing order at the end, that's something that's a, a lot of points left on the table if he's trying to make the Xfinity playoffs. And then, you know, Greg Alding, like, I mean, if Justin Haley isn't as skillful as missing the wreck, maybe we see Greg Alding win an unlikely victory. Um, you know, for him, that would have would have put him career really back on a career-changing... Yeah. yeah, it's like his trajectory, like he was in that... Um, 52 or 53 car with or number 20 car with the the Krispy Kreme and he seemed like he was kind of a guy who just didn't have his stuff put up together and was wrecking guys and and not being a a very clean driver and now he's kind of just racing back marker cars and the cup series and uh, the Xfinity series and you know if he was able to win that race on Saturday it would have definitely changed the uh, trajectory of his career um, you know, another driver I think that's probably disappointing is Daniel Hemrick. He's just had just had terrible luck this year, um, and obviously he got into another wreck. The JRM cars ended up all crashing for the most part, except for um, Michael Annette there, and that's um, something to think about for the JRM cars if they could work together um, better and maybe stay out of wrecks. Because I, I don't think it was anybody's fault that they wrecked. It was just uh, Chase Briscoe 
just uh, got I forgot who he wrecked, but they got they all got loose together, and and two of the JRM cars got got wrecked, and Hemrick was one of them, I think, and uh, Allgaier was out of it too, and so a little bit surprising that the JRM cars didn't make any more noise than what they did um, in this race on Saturday, but look for the same uh, in the fall at Talladega, most likely. Yeah, I think Brookshot Jones came down on on uh, Chase there. I, he was on the wall, I, from what I remember. Uh, Brookshot came down. Chase was there. Didn't ended up going over his right front corner, and Brookshot went and turned out in front of all of JRM's cars. And I mean, of course, Michael Annette makes it through because he's Michael Annette. He's so irrelevant. He's running in the back. Um, but all the nine car, uh, and of course, Daniel Hemrick, who's, he's got the cartoon anvil, uh, for sure. He's got that like Brian Hunter, Ray, uh, bad luck anvil. There's certain guys that no matter what they get wrecked every single week. Um, Alexander Rossi has it this year in IndyCar, which we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. But Daniel Hemrick, I mean, oh, my God. Um, if he didn't have a beautiful wife that could drive race cars really fast and a, and a new ba- and a, and a newborn baby girl, I'll tell you, he'd be really depressed. But this has been a really sad, sad year. I, I really thought, I mean, JRM has taken a huge step backwards this year um, relative to where they've been. Uh, the performance has been pretty pathetic, but for Hamrick and and Jeb Burton, the luck that they've had in that eight car has been was been just absolutely abysmal, and it's sad really because both guys are guys that should have should have been given better opportunities and longer time in the Cup Series or in better shots in the Cup Series. Uh, did did good things in in trucks and xfinity hemrick with his consistency not with winning which is crazy considering some of the races he has won in a super and and uh in a legend car and of course jeb burton won in trucks um it's just a shame really and then i mean when when you consider there's a few four races left before the cutoff for the xfinity series it's basically over uh clemens missed out on that uh, major opportunity to gain points. Uh, you now, right now, it's um, 32 points between him and Brandon Brown, which I think is status quo. Maybe lost a couple, gained a couple. Who knows? Sieg is is only um, is an additional 56 points. So basically, right now, 11 of the 12 are in. Uh, I mean, for as bad as Michael Annette is, he's going to make the playoff. Um, Chastain's locked in, no problem. So, yeah, so Annette, Herbst, for as terrible as he is, Sieg, who's doing good work, and he announced that he's going to have his sponsor, CMR Construction, back again next year, so that's a good deal. Uh, Whether they're going to have two cars or not is another thing, but um, it depends on whether they're going to have the kind of field set up as they've had this year um, since post COVID or not, but uh, they sold off the 93. So 
Um, we will see about that and how that may affect them going into this playoff run if they can possibly get past, you know, Bruckshot or or Michael and Nett or yeah, I mean Bruckshot's gonna be hard, but Chastain won't have any points, but he'll be okay. I think uh, trying to get past like Bruckshot, Michael and Nett, Brandon Brown, et cetera, et cetera, try to go and make a second round per- appearance uh, will be interesting to see. Uh, they'll be running at Darlington on uh, Saturday afternoon, midday. So it'll be really slick. It'll be really hard to drive. So it'll be a lot of good throwbacks that are going to have the right side knocked off of them for sure, um, including Chad Fincham, uh, who's going to be running at Jerry Nadu, uh, Bill Elliott, Dan Marino, Jerry Nadu, first plus financial throwback, uh, which definitely blew up the internet for us NASCAR fans, uh, blew up Twitter, the MBM Motorsports. They're, I, I'll, I'm going to shill for them here for a moment. MBM Motorsports, I love them. Uh, Carl Long, he's one of the only independents left. He does it for the right reasons. I have a friend that works there on the team. He works hard. He's a crew chief, you know, all gas man, everything. They do the right things, and their paint schemes so far for Throwback Weekend have been awesome. You have the Chad Fincham car, which is a Nadu throwback. You have the Phil Parsons and his mullet um, Skull Bandit car for Timmy Hill. You have the car long flipped at Rockingham special as well for Stephen liked, and they spelled his name wrong, which is hilarious. Um, they, they're, they're awesome and they're great. And they're what NASCAR is about they're, That's what NASCAR was about. You know, it's about the guys like Carl Long's, but Dawson crams of the world who spin on this show. And, um, you know, that's, that's what it was, a what, the sport was built on wasn't built on big business and bullshit and politics and garbage. It was about good racing and good people and grassroots. And it's why NASCAR is struggling and why NASCAR is going to continue to struggle um, as they move to a next generation car um, and price more people out of the sport. Um, Go to the truck series. Sheldon Creed goes and gets his third win of 2020, uh, the protege of Robbie Gordon, and definitely uh, pulled a Robbie Gordon-like move to move uh, Todd Gilland out of the way. And, I I mean, it's it's continuing the GMS uh, domination, Josh. Uh, You have, when you look at it, three of the top four GMS and four the top seven. So it's typical. It's, it's regular. It's old hat. Now GMS is the team to beat here in the truck series, even though Austin Hill is going to get the regular season points championship. I would not, I would be putting my money on a GMS truck to win this championship for sure. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think if you're going to, say like who's gonna make up the championship for in the truck series i would probably have to say that you have to include 
uh, Sheldon Creed in that conversation, and probably Zane Smith as well. I think for the GMS cars, I think they've been kind of on a, those two guys have been kind of on a hot streak recently. Um, they seem to be getting hot at the right time. And of course, you can't count out uh, Brett Moffitt as well. He's a former champion in the series, and he knows how to get it done as well. So I think he, those three guys are pretty solid for GMS. On and then of course the maybe the one spot might go to somebody like Austin Hill or um, Matt Crafton uh, driver, or maybe somebody like Ben Rhodes if he can put together a good string of races. But yeah, like like you said, it was a, a very aggressive move at the end and for Sheldon Creed to take out Todd Gilliland like that. That was a pretty uh, aggressive move. Um, you can say, like, oh, he just drove too hot into the corner there, which that's a, a pretty tough corner. I mean, I've done that in not not that type of move in iRacing, but, I mean, we uh, recently had that track on the rotation in iRacing, and I can tell you that that's a pretty treacherous corner to get into. You're, um, basically, you know, you come off a, a flat corner in turn four, and you're building a lot of speed going into turn one, and you get on the brakes, and uh, going into turn one, it sometimes gets a little treacherous, and definitely, I mean, I don't think he meant to wreck him there, but it was just, uh, you know, he definitely was very aggressive into there and um, just got into Gilliland and ended his day. And, and then Creed goes on and wins and gets on his uh, third victory of the season there. Yeah. And it's, it's something to say he, he won the ARCA championship a couple of years ago for uh, MDM. I was talking about MBM for Carl Long, but you're that MDM with uh, Mark McFarland and I forget who else was there, but that was a really good team. Zane Smith was his teammate. You know, they were a really good team and they bubble walls drove for them on a truck race. Um, but he's aggressive and, and he's going to piss people off and it, everything about Sheldon Creed, the way he is, how he drives, how he does things is like Robbie Gordon 2.0. And it, it, I, I like him. I've been a fan of Sheldon Creed's going back to his SST days. And he's he's Robbie Gordon's protege. And fundamentally, until Max is of age and all that, I mean, if you really want to have somebody as flashy, it's going to kind of be out there and kind of, you know, no take, no prisoners, and really doesn't give a fuck it's sheldon creed and todd gillen is gonna pay him back i it depends on when he's gonna pay him back we're late in this regular season for sure Uh, they have two races to go before the playoff they're gonna run darlington this sunday afternoon before the the southern 500 and they're gonna run at richmond on um i think thursday following thursday so um, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I don't really care. Um, Sheldon Creed, Brad Moffitt, Austin Hill, Sam Mayer, who blew the last restart. Um, he would have probably won that race. Friesian, Friesian, because I'm pronouncing it the way that uh, Clayton would say it. But um, Raphael Lassard, uh randomly shows up for once. Um, that's convenient. Zane Smith. Granin Finger, Ty Majeski, who's getting closer and closer to getting back to being able to do what he does best, 
which is be a super late model driver. Tanner Gray finishes, uh, covers the top 10. Rhodes, Ancrum there, Ancrum who's, uh, and Derek Krause, who are part of that cutoff battle. In terms of the points, Creed is fifth in points, but he has the most wins and the most playoff points as of now. Um, Hale, Smith, Moffitt, Rhodes are ahead of him. Eckes, Crafton, and Finger. Ankrum is ninth. Gillen, tenth. Derek Krause is 13 points out of the cutoff. And then after that, everybody else, anybody that is outside would have to win to get in. Um, the, and they'll be running Darlington, which basically when you look at this field, it's Moffitt, um, and Crafton and Sauter, I think are the only guys that are going to be running this truck race that aren't a nat that, that haven't been a cup driver that are gonna, that, that has experience. I mean, Greg Biffle's going to be running. This race on Sunday afternoon, Trevor Bain, freaking Trevor Bain's going to be in this race on Sunday afternoon. So we have a Roush um, washout um, 200 uh, as a precursor to the Southern 500. Uh, We got to go to Formula One. Um, Lewis Hamilton, number 89. At uh, the Belgian Grand Prix, it was pretty straightforward, I have to say, Josh. You know, he won He won the race on Saturday by basically taking the souls of both Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen. I mean, Verstappen really wasn't going to be able to do anything, but half a second at a track like Spa, it's nearly a, it's a minute and three quarters around that racetrack. Um it's insane to think to in a, a to get a half a second gap over your own teammate um what can we say about lewis hamilton at this point um in in his in what he's doing um and what he did on sunday it, it was it was basically textbook straightforward usual kind of old hat deal with him um, I mean, what do you take away from Sunday's race at Spa? There wasn't a whole lot that went on, uh, for sure, but we'll get into what did go on, uh, here in a moment. Yeah, there wasn't really like a, a lot of action really, uh, during that race, but definitely Spa is a very technical track. Uh, there's a lot of long straightaways and, and, uh, you know, slow corners. And it's definitely one of my favorite tracks on the Formula One schedule. Uh, but the way the way Lewis Hamilton is able to just manhandle his car, I guess, and really just pilot it throughout that first lap and just get that that uh, type of gap where you know you have almost a second and a half that you continue to build throughout the race that just tells you just how good of a car he has and also his skill. Um, and you consider just how tough of a track Spa really is, you know, to you basically have to get a, a perfect start and you have to make it through the first turn um, and, you know, get, get a, a good launch off of the, that hairpin corner and in, into turn one. And then you try to take you Roge as, as uh, flat out as possible as you can. 
and then you kind of go from there and you j- just let the 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 track kind of just guide you through the rest of that lap and then um you know you get to the chicane at the very end and as long as you can do that you're pretty good and it's a very high speed track and i was a little bit surprised though that um there wasn't as much competition because there was like some speculation that maybe he would face some competition this week with uh, the rule changes that they made for qualifying but it ended up mattering uh that not being a, a factor at all and is able to dominate the race uh, throughout and let every uh, lap of the entire race. So um, just a, a classic Lewis Hamilton beatdown that we've seen since he moved to Mercedes, since the Formula One uh, went to the the hybrid turbo engines and the V6 engines. Um, I mean, I guess maybe maybe this weekend was more special because he dedicated it to Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther, and definitely had the spirit of the Black Panther throughout this race. And probably carry that with him throughout the season or the rest of it. But for Max Verstappen and for uh, Valtteri Botas, I mean, I mean, there was probably a slim chance that they would have had a shot at the title. But it's very much fading away now, and they're probably gonna have to relegate themselves to fight for who's gonna claim second on the podium. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the the point you made about the party modes that's coming. Uh, they were. Uh, they were supposed to get rid of the party modes for the Belgian Grand Prix, but I guess the other engine uh, manufacturers, being Ferrari, Renault, Honda, requested one additional race to hold off. So this week will be the first uh, example of no party modes for qualifying, um, whether that truly makes a difference in what happens in the overall scheme of things. I don't know. I don't think it's really going to make much of a difference. Um, I, I, I think speaking of that, um, one thing that I said on the F1 Grid Talk podcast with uh, George Housen, they're a great group there. F1 Chronicle, at F1 Chronicle. Um, Josh has an open invite there too. They have a great show. It's real good fun. They live stream on Facebook Live doing previews, reviews. They've done some interesting uh, shows. Talked to um, Mario Isola of Pirelli. I sound like I'm shilling like I'm George. Um, He didn't even tell me to do this. But one thing I said on that show. Yeah, yeah. I'm good at that sort of thing. I should go and get. I wish I was uh, John Hamm and freaking. What the hell was that show that he was on, uh, on A&E, or not A&E, but um, AMC, whatever the hell it was, that show um, where he was an ad executive, that's what I felt like. But either way, one thing I said on there to to talk about uh, the Ferraris and how bad they are, they qualified 13th and 14th, and they were nowhere near Q3. A year ago... uh, Charles Eclair went and they started on the front row and Charles Eclair won his first career Grand Prix this year. He couldn't even, he was trying to beat Roman Grosjean. So I, I came up with a, a, a term for what they are. I, it's, I called them the red toilets on wheels 
and if you did follow me on if on Facebook, there's somebody who made a picture and emoji thing uh, in terms of red toilets on wheels. Well, they weren't on wheels; they're just um, portable toilets that were red, and they just somebody put a sixteen, a five, and two eyes on one of them. So, um, what do we take away, Josh, about Ferrari and how far they've fallen in a year? to be so slow and be completely irrelevant coming into the Italian Grand Prix, no less, uh, this weekend. Yeah, um, it's such a shock because the thing about Ferrari is just that they're, um, they're very, it's, it's very shocking to see. And for them to be this uh, below um, their standards, I'm, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. And I think, you have to say that they've got to figure out a way to uh, uh, they've got to figure out a way to rebuild for next year. And I don't know what changes they've got to make. I think I think there's going to be a lot of people who get uh, fired this year, and they I, there's no way that they can continue to uh, go on without um, doing any kind of changes. I mean, I'm not really sure like what engineering changes they need to make, but maybe they'll recognize just how bad they're this year and use next year as a rebuilding year and then uh, plan for 2022 uh, for they'll, they'll plan for 2022 to be kind of a relaunch year maybe and see how, how that turns out. And, and maybe the new regulations will help them out and uh, help them be more competitive, but it's just shocking to see um, how, how bad they are this year. And I mean, I, I'm truly at a loss of words. Absolutely. You look at where they've fallen off and now that they're not relevant to where they probably going to finish sixth in constructors here in 2020, there's no way that they're going to fall behind that. Uh, Alpha Tori, um, Pierre Gasly had a great run, but the he finished top 10. He stayed out on the hard tires and was able to make something of it. The, the Russian rocket didn't do anything, but there's no way Ferrari's going to fall um, out of six in the world championship, but it's to their benefit. I said this on Georgia's show that they should basically tank um and fall to six because with the new cost cap coming in you're able to the further down you are in the in the constructor's title the more development time you'll have going into 21 albeit as you said josh there's less um you know there's going to be basically the same it'll be There'll be minimal changes going into 21, not only with the in the ice and the the cars, but there's there there'll be small changes. Um, and for Ferrari, they're so bad that it's they need to really look at what they're doing. Um, Carlos signs. There's a meme that probably could be made of 
what uh, of him with his hand on his head and saying, what the fuck did I do? How the hell did I sign up to drive a car that's worse than the car I'm driving right now? And he didn't even get to drive in the race because he had an exhaust problem. He didn't even get to run the Belgian Grand Prix. He didn't get to run last year because he stalled on the grid. So it's uh, bad times to be uh, Carlos Sainz for sure, but it's bad to be a Ferrari driver too uh, at this point too as well. Um, but on the flip side, in terms of the midfield, Renault, Daniel Ricciardo almost made uh, Cyril Abatable or whatever the fuck his name is, um, get a tramp stamp or some sort of tattoo for a podium. Fastest lap for Danny Rick, the Honey Badger. Uh, Esteban Ocon, fifth place. Uh, McLaren goes and with Lando Norris, gets a top 10 finish to go and salvage what they had. Uh, but uh, what do you take away in terms of the midfield battle? Um, here in Formula One for 2020 since uh, Renault went and maximized their points. Yeah, it was a, definitely a, a good run for uh, Renault. Both Ricardo and Esteban Ocon both finished fourth and fifth uh, in this uh, race here at Spa, and they were contenders, I guess, uh, for maybe even a podium finish, at least for Ricardo, it seemed like um, maybe he was going to be in, in the conversation. He was only three seconds off at the very end from uh, Verstappen. So a uh, very solid race uh, for him for uh, being in the midfield uh, as a Renault team. And Ocon, certainly a, a good finish for him, um, not being quite up there as uh, Ricardo, but still a very solid run for him. And then uh, I thought maybe... Um, the McLarens could have finished a little bit higher. Um, certainly with Lando, um, that's probably about on par for where he could uh, finish on average, but maybe I thought he would have finished where Ricardo finished in that race, but um, a, a little bit more disappointing um, for uh, the other McLaren for Carlos Sainz. He didn't start the race. And um, I mean, it's probably a, preparation for next year at at ferrari as they go through uh, a rebuilding gear most likely um so i guess that helps him for that but certainly for this race alone not really uh a, a good way for him to um continue his season shouldn't shouldn't have to go through a a start failure and end up not scoring any points at all when he has the same car as lando and probably could finish around the same area that Lando finished uh, on Sunday. And also for Ricardo as well, I mean, he had the fastest lap in the race, which is surprising consider um, how Renault really is in in this series. And you would really more of expect that from Mercedes or from Red Bull. Um, I would have not expected that to come from Renault. Um, But certainly it does show the the progress for that team, though. When Renault, they have definitely focused on these lower downforce races. They're not able to do work on the mid to high downforce racetracks, which is the majority of the calendar. It's kind of similar to being able to do well on a super speedway. 
and not being able to do well at cookie cutters if you look at it in a NASCAR sense or being able to run Indy well but not really able to do anything else elsewhere or being good street course and nothing. I think that's kind of how it kind of encompasses what we are as a GSP and it kind of encompasses what Renault is relative to the Mercs and the Red Bulls of the world and good points by you, man, in terms of everything that's going on. Um, Science not being able to run, it's a shame. He's, he's a good driver. He doesn't deserve it. It's, it's a joke that these teams with all the money they have, they can't get both of the cars functioning. And that's not the first time that that's happened recently. Hulkenberg didn't even get to start the British Grand Prix. I mean, that's unacceptable. Um, it's the same thing here. And, and it's a loss of points when you consider that Lando right now is tied fifth in points with Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz is 11th with 23. And you look at the constructors right now and it's so it's nine points between McLaren, Renault, Ferrari and tracing point. That's that's a big deal in terms of development time, in terms of money, in terms of all, everything. That's a big deal losing both. So now, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at that particular battle, Racing Point and McLaren have missed one race because they've had cars not even make the start. Um, Ferrari basically doesn't exist. So it's like they aren't starting races. So there's that. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has a 47-point lead going to the Italian Grand Prix, um, trying to tie Michael Schumacher there for the most Italian Grand Prix wins at Monza. Um, And he has a 50-point lead on both tasks. So that's two full races in terms of wins. Uh, If you take into fastest lap points, then yeah, they're still both within two races. But after this race, all uh, outside of a DNF, um, Lewis Hamilton is going to have a two-race lead with uh, less than 10 races to go because they announced the calendar. It's going to be 17 races. There's going to be two races at Bahrain, including what amounts to a Roval uh, for the second race at Bahrain. Uh, they'll be running at Jerez which is a nice, challenging, tight circuit. Uh, You know, you have Portimao, you have Imola, you have um, Nürburgring, the GP circuit, not the Nordschleife. That would be something if they ran the Nordschleife. I'd sign for that. Run 10 laps of that. If anybody makes it out alive, then, yeah, you deserve to be the world champion. But they won't do that. Um, We will see. But um, the Italian Grand Prix is coming uh, here soon. Uh, Going to Gateway, the IndyCar series ran a doubleheader there at Gateway, one of the best um, independent tracks there is. Curtis Francois and that whole entire group, they do a great job promoting. They had fans there. Uh, People actually wore masks, so that's a positive. People actually listen to rules instead of acting like 
morons um, that in its own right is is a positive. So uh, Scott Dixon wins number 50 at Gateway on Saturday over Takuma Sato, the Indy 500 champion and Petruccio Award, uh, who led the most laps. Colton Herta, Marcus Erickson, and the chocolate chip Ganassi, uh, number eight. Top five, Renus VK, uh, finishes sixth for all of the Netherlands, since the only two people that anybody knows from the Netherlands are Max Verstappen and Renus VK. Um, Antoine Canon, top ten in his next last race, possibly. Um, Connor Daly, tenth. We'll just go into Ryan Unray. Captain America. Lee Diffie Royce, Felix Rosenquist, that's the top 10. Jack Harvey deserved a better finish than what he got there on Saturday. He got screwed by a stupid yellow. There was a first lap, there was a green, a wreck coming to the green flag, uh, I think triggered by Oliver Askew, which is similar to the Michigan iRace, which took out three Andretti cars at Carpenter as well. And then um, Simon Pagino at Iraq and Graham Rehall um, had a nightmare weekend. But, hey, at least him and Courtney are having a baby and they're buying baby clothes, so that's all good. Uh, the second race was uh, Joseph Newgarden over Pato. Will Power was third. Um, he was throwing a bitch fit. Um because they lost out on the pit stops because of um, getting held up behind Ed Carpenter, who probably should quit. Renus VK, who um, moved Colton Herta and made Colton Herta throw a bitch fit, which makes me happy because he's a cocksucker. Um, Colton Herta is. Uh, Renus VK gets a top five over Scott Dixon. He lost a few points. He lost 21 points. Uh, but when you consider that New Garden didn't do anything on Saturday, it's kind of a wash. Um, what do you take away, Josh, um, in terms of the top two guys and the points going and doing what they do best, which is win? And it, it's kind of straightforward at this point with the, the guys. The top four guys in this championship are the drivers that have done all the work so far this year and of course Takuma Sato going and getting double points and winning the Indianapolis 500. Yeah for Scott Dixon this is uh, you know his fourth win on the season on Saturday and now his 50th win in this series which is uh, quite a milestone that should be commended for for just how good of a driver he is and is uh, very, very much putting himself in an elite company um, if he already hasn't. Um, I mean, I I think he can probably win enough races to get past um, Mario Andretti in in the, the win rankings. I don't think he'll have enough to get by A.J. Foyt uh, with 67 wins there, but certainly it, it could be possible um, if he goes on a, a real tear and stays around for at least – three years or four years, but uh, what a career there. Um, And then Joseph Newgarden, who will probably uh, have the same level of dominance um, that Scott Dixon has if he continues to stay at Penske and if um, he can continue to be that number one guy and uh, have the same level of focus. I think 
definitely for him this this year he might not win the championship although certainly going going into uh the final race there is double points so it's, it's not out of question yet but um both both those guys uh the the best drivers in the series uh this year and no surprise that they go out and pull out the win and got to really give a shout out to Patricio Edward Award um he was able to get a uh, second on on Sunday and a, a podium or third place on Saturday um I mean we talked about it in previous podcasts and he did did well at Indianapolis he did well at Iowa uh, both races there and and just a, a solid driver I mean he comes from Indy Lights and uh and he had a solid resume there so the fact that he's able to to do this at least on the levels should show that hey McLaren uh spam uh racing team they'll have a, a very dominant driver maybe in the future or somebody who can definitely contend for podiums and and wins uh, and laps led throughout uh some of these shorter over old races and and even indianapolis as well uh if if they can put together a good car there and of course takuma sato i mean if he didn't um have that issue at texas where he crashed in qualifying we could be talking about maybe a three-way battle for the championship i mean he almost won the race on saturday and certainly he could have had a shot to win on sunday and he he showed a good ability at gateway last year so you couldn't write him off uh for uh this past weekend um in both races and uh he continues to show that he's a very good driver at this stage of his career and and um just goes to show that right now he's the top guy uh top dog at uh the ray hall team and and he's just had a really solid year except for the first race and um, for really for those top four guys, that's that's what you're gonna look at uh, as they go throughout the rest of the season. Now they go back to road course racing to end of the year, so it might go back into Newgarden and Dixon's favor and probably Takuma as well. Uh, have to see how Award does on the road courses, but I think he can still perform solidly as he uh, did almost win Road America earlier this year. Yeah, that, that was a race that he probably should have won. You could make an you could make an argument that one of or one or both of these races at Gateway this weekend he probably could have had a shot there too. Uh when you consider that Colton Herta, everyone talks about him as some great thing. Um Pato Award went and bent him over and fucked him in the ass in the Indy Lights as teammates uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, Mike, um, what is what the hell is it? They was Harding. Harding went and screwed Paddle Award over along with Michael Andretti uh, coming into last year, and they stuck with Colton Herta because of George Michael Steinbrenner the fourth and that money. And um, if they had went with Paddle Award, they probably would have gotten a better return on investment. Honestly, even the fact that Colton won two races and had good performances, um, Paddle's better than him. And uh, people, it's not going out on a limb. I mean, if you talk of Frank and Missy in the Indy Sports Car Podcast, they've been on the Paddle Award bandwagon a long time. And they put me on him. And, I mean, he's he's got it. He's He's the guy. Um, Chevy 
got they getting spam is a good thing because those two guys are gonna basically become like they're gonna spam's gonna basically become like a Penske feeder system for IndyCar. Um, there's gonna be a time I think here sooner rather than later if they end up running four cars or whatever, you're gonna have Scotty McLaughlin come from V8s. You're gonna have Paddle Award there um, and Joseph Newgarden. I think that's gonna be Penske Racing here if, by 2022. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, as much as John Menard may love Simon Pagano, um, I think Paddle Award's better than Simon Pagano, honestly. Um, and Will Power's a douche. And we don't really need him around. They want to have a maggot douchebag announced that's going to whine. You could just put Will Power up there instead of Paul Tracy, who's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, the double points, there's there are only double points races Indy. Um, it used to be the final race was double points as well, but they got rid of it, I believe, at the end of last year. So St. Pete won't be double points. Um, they'll be the the regular points standings, which means with nine or eight races to go, there will basically Scott Dixon's going to lock the championship up well before uh, we get to uh, St. Pete for the finale. Um. Yeah, Mid-Ohio, they haven't announced it yet, but based on what Jay Fry said on the Sunday pre-race, they're going to be running there uh, in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we'll be able to preview that here on the GSP. Um, if not, there's going to be a huge gap till the next race, but I think it sounds like they're going to be running in Mid-Ohio. Going to the GSP roundup, Logan Sargent. Uh, big deal, American talent. If Haas actually has, um, actually had any clue, they'd sign him right now to go and drive uh, Formula One here in a couple of years because of the whole super license points thing. He right now uh, is leading the F3 points after a race win on Sunday at Spa. Uh, struggle on Saturday, uh, engine problem, technical problem, cost him an opportunity at a podium, but put him in prime position for the reverse grid um, race on Sunday. And he goes and wins that, takes a 14-point lead over teammate Oscar Piastri at uh, Prema going to Monza, and then they'll be running their final race at Mugello for 2020. So it's a very condensed calendar for both F2 and F3. So an opportunity for Logan Sargent, the American, to come through and win an F3 championship, which would be huge um, in terms of Formula One and running here in the United States to have an American driver if Haas finally gets smart and puts an American in one of their cars. Uh, Lurims and Delhi won the first race on Saturday at Spa. Uh, Sergeant there. We'll see what happens at Monza. 
uh, Yuki Sonoda, who's likely going to be in a um, Alpha Tori next year uh, for Red Bull because he runs for Carlin. And uh, Schwartzman won the F2 races at, at Spa with uh, Mick Schumacher getting a double podium there. And uh, at his father, at the track where his father did so many great things, one is, ran his first career Formula One race, won his first career Formula One race there. Um, it's, he, Mick Schumacher, ended up running his dad's 2000, F2004 Ferrari there as part of a pre-race deal. So there's a lot of history with one of the greatest race car drivers ever and his son, uh, double podium there for Mick Schumacher in F2, but it's Schwartzman over Callum Eilat, 10 points going into Monza, and then Yuki Sonoda is at 20, 21 or 21 points back of Schwartzman going into the Monza round of the Formula 2 World Championship. Uh, it's likely that Sonoda moves up. Uh, we got to see in terms of um, Sonoda, um, Schwartzman. I think Robert Schwartzman goes and makes the step up to Alfa Romeo next year uh, because of Kimi Raikkonen probably quits. It's possibly goes to Haas because I think Haas is going to be replacing both of their drivers too. So they're, they, they may have uh, Hulkenberg and they'll have two drivers. I think Hulkenberg's going to be one of them. Robert Schwartzman might be the other one after a F2 championship. And I think Sonoda makes the move up as well. Um, possible Callum Eilat makes the move to Alfa Romeo. So top three goes and makes a move up. Mick Schumacher has to go and prove himself over another year uh, amongst uh, the guys that are still left in Formula 2. Go into uh, V8 Supercars Australia. Jamie Winchcup and Scott McLaughlin uh, continue their dominance at Townsville, the first of two races there. Uh, Winch Cup, who's done a lot of work there, he wins two races. Scotty McLaughlin wins the third race. Uh, he carries a 123-point lead into this weekend's festivities. Of course, Jamie Winch Cup, in a lot of ways, is like, uh, I call him Winch because he does a lot of whinging. Uh, Jamie Winch Cup is a lot, of, a lot like Jimmy Johnson because he followed... Uh, Craig Lowndes, who is like Jeff Gordon for Australia, going and being the young gun, replacing the legend, who was Peter Brock, to our Dale Earnhardt, and winning championships, winning Bathurst. Of course, all-time winner at Bathurst is Craig Lowndes. He may not hold a lot of other records, but he's won the most Bathurst 1000s, which is like... Daytona, Indianapolis, all of them like rolled up 
Daytona 24 Hours, Le Mans 20. That's it's rolled up like that. So they'll be running at Townsville again uh, this weekend. Um, Cam Waters had a great weekend last week in the Monster Energy Tickford Ford. So look for him uh, during the week for a, a possible win. Ash Sutton for the Infinity uh, team and Rory Butcher. Uh, Privateer Ford won at Knock Hill, Scotland. There, Colin Turkington uh, currently leads the BTCC championship. Say that five times fast. uh, By 10 over Ash Sutton. Um, Relatively competitive between the two of them. It shows how if you don't score their championship, the way the points are, every race counts, unlike NASCAR. Um, you have to be able to perform. Even when you're not on your best, you go and get points, then you're able to go and be an advantage over somebody else. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Colin Turkey did go for, I think, the fourth or fifth British Touring Car title in his career, and uh, Ash Sutton going for his first. Uh, we'll see what happens there. In terms of Brits dominating in a series, Johnny Ray going for a six-peat in the World Superbike Championship uh, wins the uh, wins one ra- wins race two and the Super Pole race uh, dominates the Sunday's festivities. Scott Redding wins on Saturday at Aragon. Ten points separates those two riders. Um, in terms of the American presence, you have um, Garrett Gerloff, who's running for the Yamaha Junior team. He's 12th in points. He scored his second top 10 in uh, this rookie season with a 10th place finish. So hopefully by the end of the year, he's building up so that 2021 Gerloff will be able to run Laguna Seca, hopefully uh, be able to contend. Uh, for a world championship, maybe like the Scott Russells of the world, the Doug Polans of the world, the, you know, the Colin Edwards made his name there and Ben Spees. Hopefully Garrett Gerloff will be able to make that happen here in 2021. So we'll move on to the Southern 500 throwback weekend, Josh. And, um, I mean, this, this Southern 500 always is important and it, it it means a lot. It's one of the best weekends of the NASCAR season. And a lot of the smaller teams have embraced this, um, throwback weekend. So, what do you look at for what we're going to see? I mean, we already ran at Darlington earlier in the year. First time since 2004 that we've had two races there or three, whatever. And I mean, I, I, I kind of know, I kind of have an idea of what we're going to see, but I want to see what you're going to say for um, the Southern 500, one of the majors. Who do you look at for this weekend um, across the board, we'll we'll kind of go and make picks or predictions for all three uh, races. Saturday's Xfinity, Sunday, early afternoon trucks, both of those 200 milers, 
and then the Southern 500 on Sunday evening on uh, NBCSN. Yeah, I think for this race here on Sunday, the Southern 500, I think you're going to have a very similar race to what we saw kind of on both days uh, of the first race and second race that we came back from the the uh, COVID lockdowns. Uh, you know, I think you're going to have to see guys like Keslowski, Kevin Harvick. I think they'll contend at least for the daytime and into the night. And Denny Hamlin was able to uh, kind of, I mean, he kind of did get a little bit lucky there at the end um, with how his strategy played out. And then the rain helped them out. And uh, now it's come back full circle. And I think he'll be a, a contender for this race as well. Um, if they, I mean, I haven't heard any indication if they're going to use the, the short track package or if they're going to use the standard 550 high spoiler package. Um, and if they do go the, the normal route, like what we saw in back in May, uh, it's going to be very, very similar race and they'll have, uh, the leader come out uh, in clean air and dominate like how we saw the first time where as soon as they got away on the restart leader just drove away and, and the other guys were fighting for uh, second and on back and it wasn't, you know, a very entertaining race and, and other extracurricular activities kind of uh, made those events like we saw. And um, definitely it feels a long time ago, but I think that's what you're going to see uh, coming uh, in this race and and you know you talk about the paint schemes and all that and kind of gotten a little disenchanted in the last couple of years because um, I kind of got old but this year some interesting paint schemes for sure and uh, definitely with like Jimmy Johnson for example um, it's a very unique throwback to combine the uh, numbers and the uh, paint scheme because normally in NASCAR you can't run an asymmetrical paint scheme, but they figured out how to um, do the paint scheme where the bottom half of the car is a different color, different uh, paint scheme, and the other half of the car or top of the car is a different scheme honoring Richard Petty himself and Dale Earnhardt. And you, know, you talk about the smaller teams, which I think have the better throwbacks because their sponsors are are a lot smaller and not quite as corporate. And they're able to kind of go to the original throwback as much as possible, and and stay you know kind of true to the theme of the throwback and and everything. So um, I like the smaller teams throwback because of that. But I think for the Xfinity series, I and mean, we have to go back to Chase Briscoe. Uh, you know, he won a couple weeks ago in Dover and. Um, had a, a good finish at Daytona and now kind of coming back onto the, the tracks where we know he's good at and where we know he can win at. And you know, his hot streak kind of did start back at uh, at Darlington for the Xfinity Series, and he was able to um, kind of get onto that early roll into the uh, summer, uh, late spring that he, that he did. And now I expect that he's going to be able to kind of continue or get back onto that now that we're getting back on the tracks that favor him. But of course you can't count out Austin Sindrick. I mean, I think he's legitimate as far as uh, what his recent runs might indicate. And Darlington definitely, um, he doesn't quite have the record, but I think he'll, um, he'll do well 
at that track as well and certainly can't count out um some of the maybe even the jrm cars and harrison burton can't count them out of that race but i think chase briscoe has to be the favorite going into that and i think for the truck series um it's a little bit of wild card because they haven't raced there in a long time but i think possibly uh one of the the ringers or one of the veterans will probably come out with the win but i wouldn't be surprised if some of the younger guys figured out how to win like somebody like zane smith or or um sheldon creed both drivers and austin hill as well both drivers or all all those drivers really have been um very good throughout the entire season and i think they'll continue to uh can um you know continue their performance but I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Greg Biffle ended up winning this race or or leading a lot of laps. Um, I think the only the only thing wrong with him not or with him running this weekend is that his number isn't number 69 because that's been a joke of his for a while. Um, but uh, I mean, I think of the non-regular drivers that are running the Truck Series race, I think he probably has the best chance of winning. But it'll probably be end up one of the regulars i mean although wouldn't be surprised if somebody like matt crafton um pulled out a surprise win um considering his experience and him and johnny sauter being the only ones um in the regulars of the truck series that have really had any real experience at darlington but it's probably going to be somebody that uh has performed throughout the year and uh, is high up in the standings so somebody like hill or creed or um uh Brent Moffitt or something like that. All good choices there. Um, you were asking about they're running the 550 package, so it's going to suck. It's going to be a yep. It's going to be a benefit on Sunday. The it, when you look at when you think about it, what is it? The Sunday race they ran there, Harvick dominated. The Wednesday race. I think Boyer won both stages and then Boyer did what he does best, which is spit the bit. And then it went out, it went sideways, weather became a thing. And then Denny Hamlin ran out of tires and got lucky and won that race after uh, Kyle Busch went and sent Chase Elliott into the woods. Um, Chase Elliott had the best car that night. He should have won that race. Um, so I, I I think it's status quo on Sunday. Uh, the big two right now would be definite favorites to win this. They're both winners of the Southern 500, uh, Hamlin multiple times. Uh, so it wouldn't be out of the realm. I think Kyle Busch comes out of hibernation. If he doesn't do it on Sunday, I don't know when he's going to do it. He's going to have to probably pull one out of his ass by Bristol, or he might be staring a first-round exit after winning the 2019 championship, which would be insane considering how much everybody makes of Kyle Busch and his talent and Adam Stevens and the whole bit. Um, The Xfinity series, it'll be a little more straightforward, not as dramatic because of, you know, the, the cutoff isn't happening just yet, but, I would think Chase Briscoe running the Tony Stewart Mobile One um, 2011 tribute, which they're not going to make because Lionel sucks cock. Um, 
the that that car has a chance to be up there all day, um, be a favorite. There's not a whole lot of um, vehicles in that particular race. Well, there's only 34 trucks. That's that's disappointing. Um, 37 in the Xfinity. Uh, you, you go and look at that. I mean, Denny Hamlin. And I'm, I mean, I don't want to be a Homer shill and pick my guy. So I'll just pick Denny Hamlin, even though I hate his fucking guts. Uh, he's driving a sport clips, uh, number 54 in, uh, in the race on Saturday. Uh, you know, the whole truck team, that whole Hattori team's covering the 61. So that'll be something. But, um, uh, there'll be some interesting uh, throwback schemes. Tommy Joe Martin's mailed his in. He could have really done a proper 44 Budwasher car, but he didn't. Um, Kyle Weatherman is throwing back to a stupid David Reagan cop car because only they would. Um, I mentioned Stephen Likes. I Brandon Brown is um, running a Janet Guthrie throwback. Uh, what is it? Clay Greenfield is driving a Bobby Hamilton, um, Greg Sucks country time throwback. So that's going to be a cool looking truck. Hopefully they run decent. Um, I don't think they will. I mean, Jeff Hammond's a crew chief, so. I wish they would, because Jeff Hammond's one of the greatest crew chiefs ever. He's not even been voted to be a part of the Hall of Fame. I mean, Kirk Shelmerdine hasn't been voted into the Hall of Fame, and he won four championships. So it tells you how stupid the NASCAR Hall of Fame is. Uh, separate tangent in its own right. I mean, Brandon, is it Bruckshot Jones is running a Robert Huffman goodies dash series um i forget whatever the the something apple number 37 kind of throwbacks that's really cool it makes up for the fact that Bruckshop jones sucks um so we'll see in terms of the xfinity series the number of elliot sadler throwbacks for a guy who's an absolute tool um amazes me uh, but we'll talk about that. We'll we'll go over that in the next episode of the GSP episode 23. We're going to be talking about the throwbacks. We're going to be talking about history, everything that goes on with the um, Darlington currently and what this race means. In terms of trucks, I, I'll, I'm going to pick Matt Craft and I'm going to go safe. Guy's one of the only guys that's been there. Uh, he... He needs a second win to kind of emphasize his points position going into this playoff. Um, I think it's the kind of track that suits his driving style. It really is a, a place to go and take advantage of his talent and his ability as a three-ton truck series champion trying to get to four. I think Crafton wins this. Um, a young guy can definitely do it because most of the people are in this series, but uh, I'm going to pick Matt Crafton. We'll uh, move into Formula One at Monza. 
Of course, we have some interesting battles going on in F2 and F3. It's not as interesting in F1. Uh, the question I have for you, Josh, does the removal of the party modes in qualifying, as Bonato said, he's been uh, quoted saying is it's going to make the pack everybody closer. Do you believe it's going to make things closer? Is it going to make qualifying a little closer, which might in turn make at least the early part of the race a little more interesting here this weekend at a dry Monza for the Italian Grand Prix? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, I think you're probably going to end up seeing somebody with um, Mercedes. They'll continue to dominate qualifying, but maybe they will have a closer margin to whoever ends up qualifying next to uh, those cars. Definitely going to see something closer, but I think they'll end up winning the pole in second anyways. But who knows what happens? Maybe we see uh, Verstappen get um, closer to a closer margin to the Mercedes, or maybe they find something in qualifying and they um, they're able to find a balance on, on downforce and, and handling in the turns and, and uh, the speed down the long straights of Monza and, and they're able to um, maybe snag a, a second or something. I don't think they have quite enough for the pole, but maybe they can surprise and, and qualify in second or maybe, um, I mean, I'm throwing out there, maybe a um, Renault or a McLaren qualifies higher than what they're expected to. I mean, not not a top three or anything, but maybe they uh, qualify like very high and and give themselves a, a chance to um, start out the race at uh, up front or, or close to it. But I think for the race itself, especially if we have a little bit different qualifying order than what we're used to, like if, for example, first stop and qualifies second, could see an interesting start uh, at the race when when the um, lights out and away we go, as uh, they like to say in the uh, announcing for the Formula One races. Uh, maybe he gets a better start or is able to stay very close to Lewis Hamilton. And the first turn is a very tight chicane. Maybe he pulls a, a move and and tries to um, catch Hamilton off guard and and uh, at least try to lead the first lap. Um, don't know if he can actually win the race, but you know, with clean air and everything, certainly um, could help him to try to get out front as early as possible and try to uh, win the race. But I think he'll probably end up being a Mercedes uh, weekend anyways, as it usually is. Yeah, you, I, I think number 90 is going to happen, um, not just because I'm a L.A. chill, but based on everything that's gone on so far here in 2020 i don't i don't see a deviation from these first seven races i mean the only reason why the uh, i mean when you look at the first race at austria lewis hamilton had a, a grid penalty and then he ran into Alex Albon. And then you count the second race at uh, Silverstone. Um, he, he qualified on pole. Or Valtteri Botas qualified on pole. And 
Lewis was behind him at the start of the race, and then with Strat, um, Verstappen and Red Bull ended up beating the two Mercedes. So if if Lewis is able to go and qualify on pole at Monza, which is highly likely, even with no party modes, it's going to be pretty straightforward. Um, I don't see why that would be any um, different. Um, I was going to ask about Lewis and when he's going to break the record. I don't think those. And then in terms of Ferrari, I don't know about you, Josh. I don't think they're going to make you three, but I do. You, I guess the the question is, if if Ferrari was to make Q three, do you think it's more likely it's Leclerc or or Vettel, or do they not even make Q three and it's somebody else, whether it's like a Alpha Tori or somebody? Um. So I think for Ferrari, based on the trends, I think it's probably going to be more than likely that Leclerc makes it into Q3 if he's able to. I don't think Vettel's going to try. I think it's pretty clear he's just trying to mail it in and and take the checks. Nothing wrong with that, but that's how it is um, th- for him this year at Ferrari. And, you know, he's just trying to end the year as quickly as possible. And, and you know, I don't, I mean, unless, unless he has like some extra motivation or if the Ferrari bosses make it, adamant to both of those drivers that they don't want to be embarrassed at their home speedway or, or sorry, their home racetrack. I think, um, I, maybe, maybe he could, but I don't think it's possible. And, um, I don't, I, I don't even know if he could make Q2. Maybe he, he doesn't, uh, even try at all. Um, I think it's most likely that, uh, Leclerc can, cause he has shown the ability so far this year to, to try and do that at least. And it, 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 it could happen. But um, uh, I I don't even know if if they could make Q3 because they're they're just so slow this year. Uh, it doesn't look like they'll even have the pace uh, to do that. So I think you're right. Maybe uh, AlphaTauri can get in uh, to Q3 and and um, not sure where they'll start. They'll probably start towards the back half of Q3 um, or from from where they end up in Q3. But uh, that's certainly possible. Um, maybe other other teams. I mean, obviously you have to think about like the the Red Bulls, the or well, besides um, for stopping Alex Albon or um, you know the the McLarens, and the the pink Mercedes with um, with uh, I, why am I blanking? But um, Sergio Perez, yeah, Sergio and Perez, and and Lance Stroll. Yeah, you know, with with Racing Point, um, I, they, I mean, they're probably locks to make it into Q3. So definitely somebody like a, a, a AlphaTauri could definitely be in, in Q3 if Ferrari doesn't make it in, um, which will definitely be embarrassing for sure. And I um, think think for Lewis, I think he'll definitely. Um, I I think this is probably a lock for him as usual. And I think he'll continue um, to be on pace to to get uh, that uh, milestone win and pass Michael Schumacher. I mean, he's obviously very close. He could uh, maybe in a month from now or, or um, a month and a half from now, he breaks the record and we'll see. But definitely is going to happen by the end of the year for sure and probably within the next two months. So maybe three or four races. 
Yeah, I think if it isn't at Mugello here in a couple of weeks, I think it'll be in that next uh, stretch of races, whether it's uh, Mother Russia with the uh, noted uh, douchebag, um, oh, what the hell's his name? Um, Putin sitting there at the racetrack acting like he's great, uh, meddling with our election. Or you talk about the German Grand Prix at uh, at the Nürburgring, or you'll talk about Portimao in Portugal. Um, I, I, Lewis is going to break this record here this year. Um, number seven is going to happen this year as well. It's just a matter of when he's going to lock up number seven. Uh, we will see. Um, Ferrari's definitely not going to make Q3 because there's too many cars that are better. Whether it's the tracing points, whether it's the McLarens, whether talk about the Renaults who are low downforce set up, that's just the midfield. Um, and you consider that's four, five drivers if you're counting um, Alpha Tori. So that's five. And then you have the two Mercedes, you have the two Red Bulls. Um, that's nine. Um, I mean, I, I figure both Renaults make it, and both McLarens make it, so that's nine, and then you have an Alpha Tori. Um, we will see. We'll see what happens to Ferrari. Um, I guess we'll go and take in the rest of this deal. You know, the U.S. Nationals is, is um, the major. It's the biggest one of the year, other than Pomona. There's a couple other races, but... They run both the two races of Pomona, first end of the of season. But the U.S. Nationals is a big go. Um, I guess we'll preview what we're going to be talking about later this week, Josh. I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What are your favorite memories? I guess we'll do it that way. What are your favorite memories of the U.S. Nationals in your time as a racing fan, um, drag racing fan? Well, uh, I'm... That's a tough question to ask for me because um, I I don't really follow the inner cherry that much. But I mean, I have been to the Gator Nationals uh, once. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, what is so I guess Inter-Cherry. we'll go and yeah, if you're gonna go and talk about NHRA and talk about Gator Nationals is another major. So I guess we'll spin it off that way. Yeah. Um, best experiences or best moments that you've seen in person. Um, watching NHRA. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like I went there uh, the Saturday uh, in 2015, and uh, I remember um, just getting into the stands um, and seeing the uh, the Nationals and or Gator Nationals, and and I remember sitting down, and the first thing we see is a car blows up and and uh blows up into pieces i think it was a, a funny car um that just exploded and and um didn't you know he didn't finish his run and um it was it was uh like very quick to see that happen like once you just get seated and then they you see the car launch and hit like almost 300 miles an hour and then almost it you know get obliterated basically and um then then you wonder if the 
you know, the driver is going to be okay. And um, then, you know, you go ahead and, and the, you know, you follow that. And I think that driver ended up be okay. Um, but um, for me, like, like what I like about really the inner cherry is like when you get up close to the engines and stuff, it really makes your eyes water up. And um, the, the fuel that they use is, um, um, you know, very, it's very pugnant and um, very strong uh, uh, scent and smells compared to regular gasoline and even racing fuel in general just just sounds uh, or smells um very unique and and really uh makes your you know, like i said it makes your eyes water up and um that's something i like about that um um definitely some of the guys i like in the inner cherry i mean i you know i like ron caps i mean um definitely like the napa guys and somebody that's um like that i um he's one of my i guess favorite drag racers to kind of follow but uh i mean somebody like um the forest family also respectable although they're not going to be there this year um obviously since they're not competing at all in nhra um definitely somebody like uh tony schumacher another another guy to follow um uh antron brown um another guy that this is a very popular series is respectable um so a lot of guys in the series that um are unique and um you know any anybody can follow but i uh i have to say probably ron caps is probably somebody i like to watch the most in the nhra yeah ron caps and it's a good good person you brought up he's somebody who i've been a fan of for a long time he's he's one of the coolest people that's in, been in the sport and when you consider you think about daytona you think about indy when it comes to other racing series daytona 500 indy 500 the greatest drivers to never win the biggest race i mean ron caps did win at indy a few weeks ago to finally break that curse that has existed he has won the the you know the big money all-star race at indianapolis before but he had never won the u.s nationals and he had never won a points race at indy until a few weeks ago because they've run i think three races there uh during this post-covid break uh, if if Ron Caps wins the U.S. Nationals, I think you'll see a level of emotion that's like, you know, Clay Milliken. I don't think you're going to see Angel Sampay sobbing, but Ron Caps, if he can somehow or another convert on Monday evening or Monday afternoon in the U.S. Nationals, I think it would be a huge deal. He's one of the greatest drag racers ever. Uh, he's one of the only guys ever won over 50 in the pro categories. Won a champ, finally won that championship a couple of years ago with Ron Tobler. I mean, it's going to be a DSR car that wins a championship this year in a funny car category. So it's really a case of who's going to win the U.S. Nationals. And when you look at this field, um, so there, it's not going to be hard to make the field itself. There's only going to be one person getting bumped. J.R. Todd's a former winner of this race. I think Hagen's won this deal. DeJoria's won here at, at Indianapolis, which is, you know, 
tells you all you need to know. Of course, Chris Pentagon, um, Tommy Johnson Jr. has been up there. Wilkerson's been up there. He's won, I think, Beckman. I mean, the four screw not being there really takes away a quality level of the field, but you have to go and look at those DSR cars and the funny car category to to win. And then top fuel, Torrance, defending champion. You have McMillan. He's a former winner there. Um, Antron Brown's won there multiple times. Uh, Langdon's won there. Of course, Tony Schumacher is the all-time winner. He's running, so you never know. Uh, Leah Pruitt, who's taking Tony Stewart's cock. Um, running two categories, top fuel and factory stock with the Mopars. Uh, I wish Mopar would be a NASCAR to make make everything perfect for me. Um, I don't think Tony would switch from Ford, so I don't know how that would work. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, top fuel... Uh, Top fuel uh, turnouts, not as bad, but it isn't as, as good as it probably would have been in a full season. You've had some things that have gone on, uh, Lagana and all. They've been, there was a big wreck there with Lagana and um, Richie Crampton and one other person there. So um, thoughts and prayers to them uh, again. Uh, so we will... We'll see in terms of top fuel. And we went over funny car, pro stock, of course, Eric Anders, Jed Coughlin, and what will be his last U.S. Nationals as a pro stock driver. Jason Line, the same thing. Uh, you have multi-time Indy winner Greg Anderson. Jed Coughlin's multi-time winner. Line's won. You know, Richie Stevens is going to be out there in a um, – in a – Camaro, so that'll be something. He's one of the best drivers out there. Um, Pro Stock's a little more straightforward because most everybody's in uh, Chevy. So, I mean, even Troy Coughlin's Ford is powered by Chevy, so that's pathetic. Um, The Quadra kids are running Ford, so that's nice. Um, You have... You have Alan Przinsky driving a Dodge, uh, which is the um, straightforward thing. So there's only three non-Chevy-powered Pro Stocks. Figure it's a KB car versus a, a um, what do you call it, elite performance car in Pro Stock. And then the bikes, uh, I would I would look at, the Harleys because finally for Angel, she finally won. Um, I think the Harleys versus the EBRs probably is the final. Matt Smith's going to want to come out and do work, but you can never cut, you can never count out the Suzuki. Jerry Savoie is up there. Steve Johnson's a two-time U.S. Nationals champion. God bless him. He's one of the best people there's ever been in the history of motorsports. There's other 
other Suzuki's out there like Jimmy Underdahl and um, yeah, Michael Phillips, um, Taurus Bostic, et cetera, et cetera. John Hall, Kelly Klotz. So there are Suzuki's out there. It's not as deep of a field as you might have had on a regular U.S. Nationals um, turnout, but we will see. Um, Pro Pro Mod is loaded. uh, 21-car turnout for a 16-car field. Mostly Chevys. You're going to have Steve Matuzek in a Ford um, got a bunch of Corvettes, Camaros. Yeah. Virtually everybody's in a Corvette or a Camaro, which is boring, but you'll have the turbos versus the nitrous cars going on. Ricky Smith will be running. So that'll be cool. John, Jonathan Gray, Kyla Al Belushi, Mike Janice, Stevie, um, Stevie Jackson, uh, Stevie Fast Jackson, Todd Tudoro, you know, etc. There's going to be an uh, interesting pro mod field. It's a deep field, um, mostly Chevy, though, so it makes me want to puke. Megan Meyer, uh, who announced her retirement effective the end of this year. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, if she can go and get a U.S. Nationals win in her final uh, run at the U.S. Nationals. Her teammate, Julie Natas, will be in here as well. Jackie Frick, um, Rachel Meyer, so sister. So there's a lot of women, women power going on here in Top Alcohol Dragster. I'll, it's a it's going to be a strong field, 19 cars for 16, and a lot of women. Um, you have to also consider veterans like Joey Severance is in this field. Uh, Corey McCallick has got a cool-looking car. It's out there on Facebook if you want to go and find him. Uh, Dwayne Shields in a muscle mill car. Sean Cowie. Um, McCallick is driving, driving the fun that flip. Uh, uh, top alcohol dragster and um, yeah top alcohol funny car we have 23 cars so I mean it's the US Nationals it's a big go to go and and win that it's career changing life changing oh look at that mom who is it Anne Marie Whiteley is running a top alcohol funny car look at Doug Gordon Jay Payne, uh, married to Shelly Anderson. Uh, Jay Payne's going to be running. He's won this race before. So there's some uh, good drivers in that. Um, the one, there's only nine riders for eight spots. Uh, if you want to find nine of the nuttiest people that exist in society, it's the nine guys that are riding top fuel Harley. Uh, because you have to have screws loose to ride a top fuel Harley. Um, Ty Tharp's defending champion. You have Randall Andrus, Ricky House, Jay Turner. Um, yeah. And you have Factory Stock, which 
you have your Camaros, you have your Dodge Challengers, um, one Ford, only mostly Chevys and a few Mopars, but one Ford. Uh, Mark Powick, the great pro stock racer, back in the day with the Summit Racing Oldsmobile, runs a Dodge Challenger. So uh, God bless him as a Mopar guy myself. Um, yeah, so we will see. We'll talk about that more in the uh, next episode of GSP talking about the U.S. Nationals. So, uh, IMSA will be running the six hours at the Glen at Road Atlanta, the Michelin, um, the Michelin Endurance Challenge. Uh, they'll be running the six hours there at Road Atlanta. As a precursor to Petit Le Mans. Um, DTM will be at Assen uh, this weekend, which is uh, the where they should be running Formula One because there's enough, it's wide enough, it's long enough, but they had to run at Zanfort. So Nico Muller leads Rene Rast, uh, Audi 1 2 by 36 points. Robin Freins, also an Audi driver is um, 41 points behind the lead. Uh, Supercars at Townsville, we mentioned in terms of the points, and we also talked about World Superbike. So uh, before we go, uh, Josh, uh, want to promote anything? Yeah, you know, just usual uh, follow me at Twitter, JP Helfine. Um, we'll talk about all the racing stuff throughout the weekend. Uh, on there um, as I feel like tweeting it out and see all my takes and opinions there on other things as well. Um, NFL season's coming up, so you'll probably see my thoughts on the sad state of the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, uh, if I'll even be a fan going forward and all that. Uh, um, Also, you can follow me on Instagram, same handle at JP Huffine. um, uh, And, you know, I'm could potentially i will have to learn and see how to do this but uh i may try to make a, a twitch and maybe start streaming uh i racing whenever i um get on that um i just have to figure out uh how to run run the stream and and race at the same time and just you know make sure i uh don't take away from uh performance on my computer um but should be able to figure that out and and uh try to see how that goes um so uh, i haven't determined how to do that yet but hopefully soon i can figure that out yeah if you go on twitch i mean there's was my co-worker and my current job her and her sister uh go on twitch and they play video games so i mean it's it's a thing so if you want to go and do do it then just go and follow it josh is playing iRacing and He's solid, and he does his thing. And uh, if you need commentary, you need to have somebody go and call your races or be a spotter or whatever, go and call me in, man. I, I, have, I need to have her – I need to go and make my evenings a little more interesting for sure. Um, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well, but not as much anymore. 
um, on Instagram, Philip G. Matthew 28, and uh, at Pod on Twitter. Uh, the Grip Strip Podcast is on most places where you can go and find um, podcasts. We're on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, we're working on other places. We're on. We're trying to get on Amazon. We're trying to get on Google, um, other places like that. We're on Apple Podcasts as well. Forgot about that. That's the biggest one. Apple Podcasts, um, or on WordPress, or on my WordPress, philipgmatthew.com. And, um, yeah, we'll be back uh, later this week talking about three of the biggest races that exist in motorsports. Talk about the Southern 500, throwback weekend, maybe favorite throwbacks, um, talking about the history of the sport. We'll talk about the Italian Grand Prix and the U.S. Nationals here on the GSP. So we thank you for listening. Um, God bless. Be safe. Take care of one another. Uh, be positive. Um, be good. And um, wear a mask. Wash your hands. And take care. <laughs>